Hi, I'm Meg Hampton from Anglin Reitman Armstrong. I'm a partner in our audit and assurance department and I'm based in our Pensacola, Florida office. Today we're going to talk about the movie Moneyball and what we can take from it and apply to business analytics. So I have to thank my husband for getting me invested in the movie Moneyball. He's a huge baseball fan and he very much has an analytical brain. So um, we've watched it several times together and have talked about it and he's made me a baseball fan. So quick thank you to him for that. I really think the Moneyball strategy at its core is the way that stakeholders in a business, the owners, key executives need to be thinking about their business. It allows them to ignore distortions from less quantifiable things. Like, you know, in the example of Moneyball, maybe the pitcher has an ugly looking pitch, right? Or the person is a flashy media darling, or they're a little old. Um, and so if we ignore the distortions and we focus on the actual output and the productivity of the player, we can really get at the heart of what we need from that person and what they're able to produce from us. Um, I do think there is a balance though, you know, analytics have become very much more mainstream. We have a lot of tools and data. Every team has uh, a team of data analysts that it's simply their job to, to just crunch numbers. Um, and so I do think to some point they get overused um, and over relied upon. And I think the best teams in baseball and the best teams in business strike a good balance between using the analytics and using the intangibles in their decision-making. So how can we apply the concept of analytics uh, into managing our business? Um, we can track key performance indicators or KPIs. So the common, uh, most common KPIs that I like to recommend people look at uh, fall into three different categories, liquidity, profitability, and leverage. So I'll talk about a few examples of each and they each tell you something different and you know, might be something that one business focuses on more than the other and that's the beauty of these. Is, um, whatever your goals are, there's going to be some KPIs that align with that, that we can focus on to get us to that goal. So I'll talk about, uh, profitability KPIs first. I think the, the biggest number here is going to be your gross margin. So we refer to this as kind of the economic engine of the business. Every business has a value proposition, right? There's a reason I'm in business. I believe I can provide this good or this service to create value for someone who needs it. That's your value proposition. My gross margin is going to tell me, is that value proposition actually creating value? Am I making money from simply my good or my service? If that's not positive, then, you know, we, we have some issues from the start, right? <laughs> We've got to 
we have to make sure that the, the product or service itself is actually profitable. And this is a really good one to watch the trend on as well. Um, and, and to really understand what that number is, what's your minimum acceptable number for this as well, so that when you're proposing on new work, you know, you know, what your bottom line is, what your goal is, and what your stretch goal is. So that's a really, really good number that you really just need to know. Um, after net, uh, or after gross margin, excuse me, we have net margin. So, you know, my gross margin is telling me this product or service that I have is bringing in um, <clears throat> positive income. Well, then I have all the other expenses of running a business, right? So once I spend all of that, then I have my net margin or net income. Um, when I refer to it as a percentage, I generally say net margin. Um, you know, 10% of revenue is my net margin. That's what's left over after all of the expenses of producing the product or service and running the business have been paid. So those, those are my leftovers to either take home as you know, an owner of the business or to reinvest in the business uh, to pay down debt um, and pay taxes. Unfortunately, we all have to pay taxes. Um, that's one of the uncertainties in life, right? So um, that net margin, you know, gives me the room to, you know, reinvest if I want to um, or take it home. So then um, the other profitability KPI that I like to look at is operating cash flow. So cash is king, right? Um, most of the businesses that we work with keep their books on an accrual basis. However, cash, again, is king. Um, I can record all the top line revenue that I want, but it doesn't necessarily translate into cash for me to make payroll, right? And my employees aren't going to be happy <laughs> if I can't make payroll. So, <clears throat> you know, not only do I want to keep track of that gross margin, but I need to understand my operating cash flow. And again, if this is not a positive number, what that means is the business is going to rely on outside financing to survive. Outside financing is not a, you know, unlimited resource, right? It is going to dry up at some point. Um, and so again, at some point we have to get to a positive operating cash flow. So those are the measurements of profitability. And that gives you some kind of levers that you can tweak if, <clears throat> if those numbers aren't where you want them to be. Um, we've talked about some of the you know, inputs that go into that. The other category is liquidity. So some KPIs under the liquidity category are uh, working capital, so this is a very, very common one. Um, a lot of banks actually really focus on working capital if you're looking to get financing or maintain financing. 
Um, working capital tells me, do I have enough liquid assets to cover my current obligations? So if I had to close the doors today and I couldn't produce any more of what it was, you know, that I'm doing, if I sell off, you know, if I collect all my AR, sell off all my inventory, whatever else I have, do I have enough to pay all my accounts payable and um, any other, you know, debts that I have? Um, so again, we want that to be a positive number. You know, we want to be in the position where we have enough to cover our current obligations. The current ratio is very similar to working capital, but it's in ratio form. So working capital is a straight dollar amount, current assets minus current liabilities. So again, if that gives you a positive number, I know I have enough to meet my obligations. Current ratio is current assets divided by current liabilities. So it's just the same information expressed in ratio form. So with that said, the goal is for that to be at least one, right? Because that means that my current assets are enough to cover my current liabilities. And, you know, one of the things that's great about KPIs is there's a lot of interplay in between them. So if my working capital is not where I want it to be, one of the things that I can look at is operating cash flow because cash is the most current asset that I have, right? So if I can improve my cash flow, I can improve my working capital. That's just one, you know, um, one example of how that, um, how that can be uh, tweaked. The last liquidity example I wanna talk about is um, accounts receivable turnover. So essentially what this is, is your collection rate. So how quickly am I collecting AR? And again, this plays really heavily into my cash flow. Right, because that's what's happening when I collect AR, I'm, I'm receiving cash. This is another one where I think it's really important to watch the trend. You know, we talked about in gross margin, kind of watching the trend of that. Accounts receivable turnover, if I'm noticing that that is um, not improving, it's getting worse over time, then I can take action in order to improve my cash flow. You know, maybe I need to start sending collections notices or, you know, something of that nature. So again, really kind of keep track of the trend of that one. So the last category of KPIs uh, is leverage examples. So one of the most common ones here is debt to equity. That it probably sounds more confusing than it is, but what it really means is how much of the value of this business has been generated organically, that is through the actual economic engine, the value proposition, like we talked about, um, versus through raising debt, right? Um, again, we talked about, you know, 
if you don't have positive operating cash flow, I'm going to rely on outside financing to survive. And that's going to show up in your debt to equity ratio. It's a little bit like a credit score. Um, it, it gives an indication of risk level. And again, it's going to be something that banks or investors, potential, you know, um, acquisitions, they're going to look at. It's one of those balance sheet items um, that really kind of tells a story about the health of the business. And the other leverage example that I want to talk about is uh, debt to assets. So this is a good indication, again, if you're over leveraged. So in a similar way of, of debt to equity, it's how much of the business's assets have been generated by um, obtaining debt, right? So if I go, you know, finance the purchase of a bunch of vehicles, then I'm going to see, you know, the result of that um, in my debt to assets. Now, the idea is I'm going to take those vehicles, use them in my business and generate value from them. Enough value that they pay for themselves. That's the ultimate goal. But what you'll see is if you're not generating enough value to offset the cost of those vehicles, it's going to show up in your debt to assets or in your debt to equity ratios. If you look at, for example, a team that's in a rebuilding year, their focus is going to be on many different KPIs because they're looking at replacing lots and lots of players. So there's puzzle pieces that they're going to have to put together to meet those goals versus a team that's a little bit more mature and stable. They might be looking to just marginally increase labor productivity for example. So why is it that, you know, some teams perform better than others when they all have the same bucket of money to spend? And it's because of labor productivity, right? So if I am not rebuilding and I'm not focusing on many, many different KPIs and put, putting their right butts in seats, <laughs> then I might just be focusing on well, how can I take this one player, marginally improve their batting performance, and then see the results from that without having to spend any more money because they're under contract, <laughs> right? Um, so that's, that's kind of the beauty of them. Um, and there's potentially KPIs that are not relevant to your business or your goals. And again, that's okay too. Um, customization can give us more meaningful and relevant data. I do wanna caution, you know, we've all heard the term garbage in, garbage out. We wanna make sure that we are looking at meaningful data and I also would say we don't want to necessarily waste time 
focusing on things that we don't have control over. And again, that's going to vary by business, right? Um, for example, you know, I talked about the player that's under contract. I can't control how much I pay that person. That's set in the contract. But what I can focus on is how to get more productivity out of that person. So KPIs are all about having the visibility into what I do have control over and what I can change in order to make improvements. Um, so many people may not realize that even the best all-time Major League Baseball players hit home runs less than 10% of the time. We're talking about Hall of Famers, the greats, hitting home runs less than 10% of the time. So for um, Peter Brand, the idea was, you know, is aiming for the home run hitters the best use of our resources, right? Every business has a limited pool of resources. Certainly the A's had a limited pool of resources. They had the lowest um, uh, amount to spend in all of Major League Baseball. So how do we take those resources and allocate them in the best way possible to produce the results that we want? If we only get home run hitters, then we're, we're banking on getting these runs less than 10% of the time. That doesn't make sense, right? So we need to focus on what is the actual output productivity that we're looking for and how do we get those people, those assets, whatever it is, and utilize them in our business. That's the hard part, right? Is <laughs> actually, you know, once I have visibility into the numbers, and I can see what I need to do, the hard part is actually doing it, right? But again, that's, you know, the whole idea of Moneyball is figuring out the best allocation of my resources in order to achieve my goals. Government contracting work in particular, there's certain KPIs that can really be very meaningful. Um, we talked about gross margin, that generally, in, in the contract world uh, can be very, very meaningful. And um, the, other, uh, the other KPI that we've talked a little bit about is labor productivity. So vast majority of my clients are service-based businesses. So labor is their largest expense. So the allocation of that resource can, you know, be very, very um, helpful or hurtful, right? So tracking that labor productivity is really, really key. And the cool thing about the, uh, the contractors is we can look at that labor productivity overall, we can look at it by contract, um, or we can even look at it by person and get down into that granular detail. And, you know, is there something that we can learn, you know, from somebody whose labor productivity is a lot higher than their peers. Additionally, 
um, with government contractors, and this is not exclusive to them, but um, many of them have fixed price jobs. So, you know, they've agreed to provide a service to the government for a fixed price. So therefore the risk is all on the contractor to be able to manage the cost of providing that service because whether it costs the contractor more to do that or not, the government's still only gonna pay this fixed price. So then it becomes really, really critical to have visibility into those costs and managing them to, um, to ensure that I have profitability on that contract. And then the last thing that we like to monitor that's, it is very specific to government contractors. I don't know any of my other clients who, who calculate this, but their wrap rate, um, which is essentially a fully burdened labor rate. So for every dollar of labor that I expend, it actually costs me, you know, $2.35 in total once I account for all my overhead, GNA type expenses, uh, all the other expenses of running a business. So that wrap rate is really, really useful, again, to kind of help manage costs, um, see what the trend of that is. And in addition to monitoring it, many of my uh, clients are also required to report um, on that wrap rate and get it approved by um, DCAA. And so there's some compliance requirements um, that go along with it as well. So, you know, we have seen really, really good success with our clients who have um, set these KPIs, uh, tracked them, you know, through a monthly dashboard or something like that, and and really been able to make decisions in an agile and, and proactive way rather than a reactive way. And we've just, you know, we've seen great success from them being able to improve the bottom line um, and go after new things, new uh, service offerings, new contracts. Um, we've also seen several of our clients really improve the health of their balance sheet by focusing on cash flow and tracking and monitoring that. And that healthy balance sheet, you know, depending on your ultimate goals for the business, um, the health of that balance sheet can make a huge difference in the selling price. If that's ultimately your goal is to sell it, you know, to a larger firm um, or, you know, if you want to hang on to it, but you need financing to grow it to the next level, that healthy balance sheet is going to make a big difference in terms of how much financing you can get and the interest rate that you're able to get on that. As an auditor, I really appreciate KPIs because they allow us to monitor and compare. Uh, one of the really important things that we do as part of the audit is trend analysis. So we're looking at year over year trends to spot something that's potentially unusual 
and might indicate an error um, or something, you know, that was just mistimed um, or something even, you know, more nefarious than that, but hopefully not. But that's why we look at those trends. Um, and sometimes we also see a trend that might be a little concerning that, you know, maybe the client needs to take action on. And that's where we can provide that value add. You know, oh, we noticed that your gross margin has been steadily decreasing over the last five years. Let's talk about that. You know, what can we do to improve that? Was it expected? You know, um, sometimes in certain industries, you know, that's unfortunate, uh, an unfortunate reality that we have to live with. And again, that goes back to those things that we can control versus what we can't. But having the knowledge and the visualization of it helps us monitor and keep track. Also, you know, we've talked a lot about financial KPIs, but there's quite a bit of non-financial KPIs as well. Um, and some of those that we might look at during the audit are internal control related. So looking at systems and processes um, that are designed to prevent errors and or detect errors um, and, and seeing how well those are functioning. And so that's another way that, you know, we as the auditors can assess risk and we can also again provide value add if we notice that there's a process that's you know not being followed to the degree that it should or there's some other kind of concerning trend there so one of my favorite scenes in moneyball is um they're all sitting around the table discussing various players and whether they want to hire them or not Billy Bean is trying to convince everybody, you know, we need this player, not this player. And I like it because um, I think open conversation is really, really important in any, you know, in these executive leadership groups that are looking at and managing these KPIs. Um, so I would encourage you to you know, set regular um, meeting times to go over KPIs, talk about the trends that you're seeing, talk openly about strategies that um, you might take, and don't be afraid to suggest the player that has an ugly pitch, right? <laughs> if, it's, if it is going to get us to our goal, then maybe we can ignore the ugly pitch and look at the output and the productivity. That's what I have for you today. Thanks for joining us on the Evolve Now podcast. I'm Meg Hampton, partner with Anglin Reitman Armstrong.